If you are visiting here for the first time, dear parents, I'm also a parent. I have three kids. Um, I know the family life my, uh, pastor. Uh, she, she, she room and board with me. <laughs> and I can tell you that we pray for your kids. We pray for your kids weekly. We pray for your kids at least once a week, but more than that. And we have uh, great compassion and care for them. We want to see them grow in the ways of the Lord. And our great goal is when your kids leave this church, go to different state, go to college, that they continue to serve the Lord. That is our goal. Okay? So can you pray with me on that, parents? Yes. So they are serving and thriving and loving the Lord wherever they are. <clears throat> Today is an exciting day. Are you ready uh, to dig deep in the Word of God? Yes. When you come to Sunday at Santa Clara First Baptist Church, one thing you will get from us is studying the Word of God. And this time is the time to study the Word of God. Okay? And uh, sometimes uh, when it is not a, a positive, uh, uplifting, you know, uh, kind of a self-help sermon, you may feel like, oh, I want to hear an uplifting sermon, encouraging sermon, positive lovey-dovey sermon, right? I can tell you there is nothing more powerful than the Word of God. And you're going to need this. And you'll get used to it. Yes. <laughs> you'll get used to it after if you come back here and again. And then you feel that your life is changing. You feel that there's something different happening within you. Because the Word of God has taken hold of you. And without you realizing it, it's just blessing you. It's shaping your heart to love God and to love others. And the light of God has just come and taken hold of you. This is what the Word of God will do. So this is the time for the Word of God. Some of you that have a rough night and you didn't sleep and you didn't have a wink at all, when we do Bible study, you know, you kind of go Z, right? Uh, but I guess it's okay to sleep in the church than at home. So welcome. Uh, let's get ready with some extra pillows. All right? Just remember, my forefathers were headhunters. You may never get home <laughs> if you go to sleep. <laughs> like that may be the last time. <clears throat> oh, God, forgive me. So we're starting the series Game Changers. When we did the series on seven, the seven churches, the Lord blessed our church. You know why? And how? We had salvation. We had baptism. We had new members join the church in that seven series. That's how we know that God has blessed us. Amen? Yes, so wonderful. Let's give glory to God for all the good works that He has done. Yes. And today... We're starting this new series, Game Changer, and we're going to pray and expect that God will move. God will move in our body, in one body. Let me read the scripture for you. And the scripture today is from John 20 and Luke 24. John 20 and Luke 24. Uh, in Luke 24, if you read from 17 to 33 onward, or you can read the whole thing, or in John 20... <clears throat> You can read starting from verse 13 or from 15 and read it down. Okay. 
So keep it open uh, in both of the scripture. Um, we have Bibles. You have your uh, devices that you can use to read the word. John twenty fifteen. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And then I want to take to the two-man conversation along with Christ. And he said to them, the two men on the road to Emmaus, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Do you know that Jesus stayed on this earth for 40 days after his resurrection? Did you know that? He didn't just go straight to the Father. And when I found out, as a student of the Bible, and I found out that Jesus stayed back on this earth for 40 days, because before I thought, after the resurrection, he went to heaven. Maybe some of you thought that way too. Okay. Then I say, why did he stay back for 40 days? Have you asked that question? Why did he stay for 40 days on earth? Why didn't he go straight to heaven? And I started reading the Bible and I found out that Jesus did ministry for 40 days. That was a game changer for his disciples. And we're going to look at the ministries of Jesus in this game changer series. And it may just be a game changing moment for you. Okay? So he stayed. He needed to stay for 40 days so we can turn the world upside down. Isn't that amazing? I mean, this, this guy, JC, is great. I mean, he's just great. You know. So, as I was preparing this sermon, I had a very difficult time preparing this sermon. Because there were so many materials, and I wasn't, I, I was missing something. I wasn't, I wasn't hitting it. It wasn't hitting in my spirit. I said, something's missing. So I kept praying, kept praying and praying. But as I prayed, even though I, did, I wasn't there, I kept working, I kept writing, I kept working, I kept writing and reading and praying. And Thursday night, I went to sleep and I had a dream. Here it comes, your pastor's dream, okay? And I was preaching the sermon. I was preaching the sermon, this sermon... And I was saying so many things, but I didn't remember all of it. But I remember a sentence from that sermon. Okay? And it says here, Discouragement is a poison to your soul. I remember that sermon when I was preaching. Friday morning I woke up. Friday morning I woke up. And it all came to me. And Christ, the Spirit was confirming that, yes, you're preaching on pain and sorrow. And pain and sorrow leads to great discouragement. And that is why I stayed back for 40 days. To deal with the pain and sorrow of the disciples. Because they were discouraged and defeated. And if they cannot overcome discouragement and defeat. They cannot go out and share the good news. Because there is no good news. Discouragement is a poison to our soul. To my soul. Isn't that the truth to you? Now it's coming back to you. How many of you are discouraged this morning? 
How many of you had a discouraging week? How many of you have been going through discouragement for a period of time? How many of you have been struggling with discouragement and there is no respite, there is no wave of encouragement coming over you? And you've been waiting, and you've been waiting, and you've been waiting, and you've been weeping, and you've been weeping, and you've been sad, and your soul and spirit's been broken, and you've been discouraged, and there is no good news. It hasn't come. It's been dark. It's been like the Good Friday. It's been dark like the Saturday. And the good news hasn't come. How many of you have been discouraged? And as I was preparing on these things, I look at my sorrow. I look at my discouragement. And I can tell you, my brothers and sisters, that even though you have walked with the Lord for many years, you have been a seasoned Christian. You have heard the voice of the Lord. You have seen the glory of God. You have discipled people. You have taken people to the Lord. You have baptized them. You have seen great and miraculous things. I can tell you, even a seasoned Christian will go through a time of discouragement. You go through a time of darkness and there's no answer. There's no tears to shed anymore because you've been weeping for so long and you feel like it's dry, dry time and you're going through the wilderness of your life. And there's no light that you can see. There's no path that you can walk. You've been struggling. You've been struggling. I was reading and preparing on this. I was coming, I came across a book, A, a Widow's Memoir. Joyce Carol Oates. And she wrote, but for sorrow, there is no remedy provided by nature. And I feel like, yeah, that's the truth, isn't it? My wife and I are not a stranger to sorrow and pain. I lost my dad, she lost her mom. At a young age, I remember after burying my father, we came home, and uh, it was the evening, and we and uh, it's time to eat. And my my younger sister, two younger sisters, ten and seven, and my younger brother who was about five, it's time to eat. And I was looking for my mother, and I walked there, and the doors open. I lock. I look into it, and she's weeping. She's just weeping, talking to herself, and she's folding my father's clothes. Weeping, I say, Mom, let's eat. I say, no, you go, you go and eat. I cannot eat. She's been in such sorrow that she cannot eat. At 11 years old, I was trying to take care of my mother. I'm not foreign to sorrow and pain. My wife, the only daughter, she doesn't have a father. Her mother passed away when we were in school. She's alone. It's been hard for us to go through this traumatic experience. My sons and would come to say, so we have zero grandparents in our life? No. Only my mom's alive. We have no grandfathers. Only one grandmother that they don't get to see. Sorrow and suffering is not new to us. It's not new to you. And Mary was going through great pain and sorrow. She was weeping at the tomb. Not only Mary, but 
the two men on the road to Emmaus, one is Cleopas, and the other one possibly is Luke, the author of this account. The name was not given. Luke and Cleopas was going to the road. Some may say it was Cleopas' wife, Mary, because Mary was the husband of Cleopas. Not Mary Magdalene, the other Mary. And they were going, and they were sad. They were sad, and they were weeping. And Christ reminded me of a great coach. You know, today coaching is very important. And uh, he reminded me as a great coach. You know why? Because Christ is not going to be here on this earth anymore. He wasn't, for three years he has taught, protected, provided. He has been with them. He has been with them. Now he no longer will be with them. They're going to do without him. And now he is coming back to coach them how to live the life, how to put in action what they have heard and change the world and change the world upside down. And as a great coach, he came to identify. Great coach asked great questions. Great questions to identify the sorrow and the weeping so we can pinpoint why are we sad? Why are we weeping? What is our pain? And he has, you know, the right identification for right solution. Why are you weeping? Why are you weeping? So he said, they have taken away my Lord. That's why she's weeping. She's weeping for the right thing, but for the wrong reason. You see? If you have carried him away. Because I tell you, when we are in sorrow, in pain, sometimes our sorrow may not reflect the reality. The sorrow has overburdened us, clouded our mind, our judgment. We felt we have been abandoned and forsaken, that we forget all the promises of the Lord. And then we sorrow. And we're in pain. If you have carried away. They were, in, they were sad because of that. Why is, the, why, why is this conversation very sad? That's what Jesus asked the two men. Was, if do you think Mary would have wept if she knew that Jesus was alive and resurrected? She didn't know that. Why? Because she had forgotten what the Lord has said. What the Lord has said. That he will rise again on the third day. So we all, Santa Clara First Baptist Church, we look more than 2,000 years later and read the Bible and say, why can't they, why can't they believe? I mean, come on, right? Did, did you feel like that when you read it? Huh? Well, 2,000 years later, more than 2,000 years later, here we are sitting here discouraged. We're sitting here dejected and defeated and have forgotten the Lord say, I will never forsake you. I will never leave you. I will provide for you. Do not be anxious in anything. But we've forgotten that. We sit here dejected. 2,000 years later, after all this experience, why? Because we're lonely for young people, you know? You're lonely because, uh, hey, I just met you, you know? Uh, Text me back. You text some friend, and he or she didn't text you immediately in one minute, and you're like, oh, my life's over. (laughs) I mean, she doesn't love me anymore. 
Oh, he hates me. Why? He didn't text me back in 30 seconds. You know? I just met you. Not call me maybe. It's like text me back quickly. Right? So when my wife texts me these days, you remember when somebody texts you, and when you're replying, you can see that there is a reply thing going on. The moment my wife texts, I'm just on the phone doing something like this. She knows that I'm texting back. Mary was sad. Christ had to deal with that sorrow because they had forgotten the promises of God. Christ had to deal with Cleopas and the other men whom you might call it Luke because they were sad and they had forgotten the promises of God. Next, right identification for real solution. So now, uh, this, uh, why are you sad? See? Why are you sad? Because they said, why are you sad? And they said, we were hoping. What was their hope? We were hoping that this Christ is the one who will redeem Israel. Their hopes and expectations crashed. Their dreams, their dreams of taking that trophy home is crashed. These 12 guys are in the dream team. And they say, one day, one day, we're going to see our Lord coronated. It's going to be a coronation. We're going to have a big party and we are going to be the one lifting up the trophy. Right? Well, no. Dreams crashed. Hope's gone. What do you do when your dreams crash? What do you do when the one who say, I'll provide for you, I'll protect you, I'll give you free housing... He died. What do you do? When the one who promised you free housing, free protection, power, and he just died. Just imagine how many of us here in Silicon Valley, they offered you a job, they offered you a free housing, great bonus, and then they died. And you, what would that look like for you? Oh, you go crazy. Well, hopes are crushed. Dreams are gone here. The hope is gone. Uh, the Redeemer of Israel, no. The one from the line of David, who set up the throne of David, no, he, he died. He's gone. They are sad. So that's a great question that's identifying why they are sad. And they're able to articulate that our hope is gone. We're sad because our master is gone. We don't have a leader anymore. Problem there. Alright? Now, a coach continued to ask great questions for more information to help them for solution. What is that? So he said, okay, he went to another question. Okay, whom are you seeking? Okay, you're crying. Whom are you seeking? Where is he now? He said, I do not know where they have laid him. She did not know where they have laid him. She did not know that the Lord's resurrected. She did not know. The one standing before her. She did not know the one talking to her. She could not feel the presence of God. Because her sorrow is so great. And this morning. How many of us do not feel the presence of God. Because our sorrow is too great. How many of us feel. That God is so far away because our burden is so big. 
that his word is so small before our sorrow. That even if the Lord stands in front of us, we cannot feel him. We cannot see him. Tell me where you have laid him. Tell me where you have laid him so I may get the body. That is the reason why Christ stayed back. How can we change the world with this great pain and sorrow that we have not dealt with? You cannot be effective. We cannot live a healthy, emotional, spiritual, physical life if we don't deal with our pain and our sorrow. It's not possible to heal other people if we don't face our pain. Unforgiveness. The pain that people have caused you and the pain that you have caused other people. If we don't deal with these things, we can't be effective. There is no other way for us to be fruitful than to face our pain. Nobody wants to talk about pain. This sermon is a hard sermon. Who wants to hear about pain after you had a gruesome, stressful week that you come here about pain and suffering again? Oh, there's a, there's a great news I'm going to tell you at the end. The Lord has prepared a meal for you today. You're not going to go empty-handed. Stay with me till the end. Even if you sleep, wake up for the last sentences. Because right direction, for real. So you get the information, you identify the pain, you get the real information. After you get that, as a great coach, you give direction for actions. What was the direction? As they were going on the road, they asked, Okay, oh, why are you sad? What things? Haven't you heard the things? The two men asked in Luke 24. And Christ said, What things? And he said, we were hoping that this great prophet from Nazareth will be the one that will come and redeem Israel. But he was delivered to the priests and the scribes and they have killed him. Right? Isn't that like kind of word for word verbatim of what the Lord has said that the son of man will be lifted up. The son of man will be delivered to the scribes and the priests and they will kill him. Is in that word for word? What did they forget? They forgot that they will rise again on the third day. They have forgotten in sorrow, in pain, in great defeat, in confusion, confused mind, lack of faith. So what did he has to do? Christ has to stay back because he has to reveal the word, the living word, which is himself. There is no better revelation of the word of God other than the body of Christ. Christ was one of the perfect revelation of the word of God. He is the word. He opened the scripture. See? Now we're coming to the solution. He opened the scripture and he taught the scripture to this man. Oh, thank God. Thank God for the word of God. Thank God he stayed back. If it was Luke, how much Luke has given us? The whole book of Acts and Luke. See? I mean, God changed this man, the physician, the doctor. 
Maybe God knew that this man will be great for the kingdom of God on earth. That he will be a part of the one that will turn the world upside down. And he had to minister to this man for the gospel towards the Gentiles. And that's the reason why maybe he stayed back outside the twelve, outside the twelve and ministered to Cleopas and Luke. Mary Magdalene is outside the twelve. She is marginalized. She is a woman. Remember my friends? But Christ came to minister to a marginalized, not counted so important in the society at that time. And God lifted up this woman and ministered to her pain. He opened the scripture. This is, and then, uh, and he told Mary, Mary, do not cling to me. Do not cling to me. I'm going to the Father, your Father, he said. Your father, my father, your father. This is echoing the scripture from Ruth 1, chapter 16. You remember, your God will be my God. He ministered to her in scripture. What happened? Then he broke the bread and he prayed. And he vanished. And the two men said, did not our heart burn? Did not our heart burn? Burn. Wasn't our heart moved? Is the word here. Wasn't our heart moved? You can hear that again in Acts chapter 2 when Peter was standing up and preaching on that day and they said their heart were cut. Their heart were cut and 3,000 souls were added that day. That's the movement we're talking about. That's the cut. No, not the, uh, not the first love. It's like the first love is the deepest, right? Not that kind of cut here, okay? It's God's love. He is moved. It's moved. It's cut. And they, they opened their eyes and they knew. And they knew. Oh, hallelujah. And their hearts were punched. So it's the right direction. The right direction is the word of God. Go back to the word of God for answers, for revival, for reinforcement, for refreshment. If you're sorrow, in sorrow, if you're painful... If you're going through a lot of struggles and burdens in life, and there's no answer in your life, where do you go? You go to the Word of God. You open the Bible. You sit down, make time for yourself, and study the Word of God, and let the Holy Spirit speak to you, and revive you, resurrect you. Take away the blinder from your eyes. Oh, hallelujah. Then the right action. What happens? What happens after that? Well, the two men went to the disciples and said, We've seen the Lord. Mary went back to the disciples and said, Oh, the Lord's reason. From weeping, from sadness, to declaring boldly the resurrected Lord. Those are two opposites. How did we get there? How do you get there? How do you get from your morning Where you don't want to get out from your bed. Where you don't want to change. Where you don't want to go to work. You've been totally depleted. Depressed, dejected, defeated. All you do is want to lay in your bed. To jumping and dancing and praising the Lord and say, Look what the Lord has done for me. How do you get there? This is what the Lord's teaching us. So let's look at that. It's too small to see. 
Okay, I will do it for you. Okay. So, they were sad. Mary was weeping. And then, Jesus appeared to the two men. Jesus appeared to Mary. Okay. Next, uh, did they see him? They could not see Jesus. The man could not see Jesus. Mary could not see Jesus. So what did Jesus do? Uh, He revealed himself to the two men. He revealed himself to Mary. Right? And the next one is, uh, he opened the scriptures. He opened the scriptures. And they were moved. And then they went and tell other people. Here's a lesson here. You remember, before Christ expounded and explained the scripture, as it's written in Luke 24, they, their eyes were not open. When was it open? When he expounded the scripture, and when they did the communion, the breaking of the bread, then suddenly their heart was moved. Their eyes were open. You remember what Jesus said? Do this in remembrance of me as often as you can. Remember my death. Right? This is a new covenant. What Christ is saying to us and through the story of the two men and Mary Magdalene is that Christ is not going to be around us. He is not going to be physically around us. But if we open the Bible, if we open the Bible... If we continue to break the bread in simplicity and fellowship with one another, our eyes will see the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? This is very important for the church. He said, despite your sorrow, despite your pain, despite you feel defeated in your life, I want the church to do this. Whenever you feel like you can't feel me, you can't see me, I would like you to open the Word of God. Let the Word of God burn your heart, move your spirit, break the bread together in fellowship, and there am I in your midst. And I will say, Shalom. 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 God's peace is greater than our sorrow. God's peace is greater than our pain. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your soul. Look at the author and finisher of our faith. Do not be discouraged. He's been gone through this. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. The Lord may be angry uh, for a moment, but the favor of the Lord is forever. So this morning, the Santa Clara First Baptist Church, you may feel abandoned. You may have anxiety, but the favor of the Lord is forever. And I tell you, joy comes in the morning. You may have a burden. You may have a burden that you cannot carry, but give it to the Lord because the favor of the Lord lasts forever and joy comes in the morning. You may feel like you have been constricted. You have been constrained. You have been criticized. But I tell you, the Lord is compassionate and the favor of the Lord lasts forever and joy comes in the morning. 
morning. You may feel defeated and distressed and dejected. But I tell you, God is dynamic. His favor lasts forever and joy comes in the morning. You may feel like you have been uh, uh, deflated in your life. But joy comes in the morning. The Lord lasts. The, the, the joy of the Lord will come in the morning. You may feel like you have been uh, knocked out. You may feel like you have been knocked out. You may feel like you have, uh, you have been wronged by other people. You may feel like you have been rejected in the society. But resurrection will come because the favor of the last for, lasts forever and joy comes in the morning. You may feel like I am making an exit in my life. No! You are making an entry into the new life of the Lord Jesus Christ because the favor of the Lord lasts forever and joy will come in the morning. Sorrow may last for the night. Friday may come and Saturday may be dark but Sunday came joy comes in the morning my friends the Lord is not defeated the Lord is victorious this is the Lord that we worship this is the Lord that we lift up hallelujah to the son of God who is seated on the right hand of our father in heaven who advocates for us this is the God that we worship you are powerful people no we're not just singing we're not just singing and reading about it we're powerful people we're people of praise. We can storm the gates of hell together with the Lord Jesus Christ because he is seated on the throne and the devil is under his feet. So, give your sorrow and pain to God. If you don't do that, we cannot share the good news.